0: Uh, Just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred.
1: Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Gin and Beer. I am your host, Meg, and tonight I am joined once again, I think for the third time, by an absolute fan favorite, my best friend, Michael.
0: Hi there. That's right, third time.
1: Third time. I think he has the highest number of guest appearances on Gin and Beer of all time, which makes sense because he's brilliant. And this week, he is joining to be my first guest in the new format of Gin and Beer, which I'm very, very excited about. And we are going to be talking about a cocktail that means a lot to both of us, and that is the Martini, which I'm very much looking forward
0: to. The Gin Martini.
1: Yes, um, which I'm happy about because in my humble opinion vodka has no place in a martini but that's just me um so anyway let's let's get going because I think that we're gonna have a lot to talk about so Michael first of all what is your ideal martini
0: so I mean I I'm a massive gin fan in itself and um it's only really been the last I mean I've always always drank gin But in the last sort of year maybe year and a half because i've become part of this gin club that's a postal service and then every month they give you a bottle of gin from around the world that you basically can't get a hold of it um has really opened horizons on the taste the the palate um and and all of that of of the kind of style of gins. and i think the best way of having a gin for me i mean a gnt is great um, but you, 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 get that real sense of flavor, um, and layering when you have it in a martini, um, compared to something like a G&T or another gin based cocktail. So for me, they're my absolute favorite.
1: Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. So do you, I mean, there, and um, we'll get into the different variations later in the episode, but, um, There are about a million different variations of the martini. I think there's a lot of debate over what actually constitutes a martini. And I think it all kind of boils down to everyone else's personal taste. But if you were to make a martini right in this very moment, how would you make it?
0: So it would be a gin of my choice. Currently, I'm drinking a gin that's the first to be distilled in Monaco. So that's La Stillerie de Monaco. Um, and it's a fabulous very very uh, light citrus um, gin so that would be a large measure of that Um, and then sort of I'm currently having a double martini um, which is technically like two large measures of gin because I need enough to last the episode yeah Um, so that's um, sort of 100 ml gin Um, sort of 30 mils of of, uh, white vermouth and we're using the cochi white vermouth um, the americano the americano that's right that stuff is amazing we um are using just the um the very light yellow zest of the lemon i personally don't like martinis when they've got um things like angostura in them but that's Mm -hmm. just my that's just my personal um flavor preference so I like very clean light dry um martinis I'm not a fan of of, of a kind of overly sweet martini
1: yeah I am very much similar um I will say like I think a martini first of all I think a martini is a drink that you need to experiment with in order to figure out what is to your taste and I personally, especially because at least in the UK, we are still in lockdown. I think that that's something that's best done at home. Um, just be, I mean, just by logical reasoning that you don't necessarily want to be going to decent cocktail bars and spending upwards of, you know, 15 quid on a martini just for you to find out that you actually really don't like that variation. Um So I've definitely been experimenting with martinis at home over the course of lockdown. And I agree with you that I, so I have actually discovered something really interesting tonight. Um, because for this show, I decided to try the perfect martini, which is a martini made with gin and then equal parts, sweet vermouth and dry vermouth. Mm. Um, And I also put in a single dash of orange bitters. Um, And the reason why I found this interesting was because that was literally the best martini I've ever had. It was so delicious. Um, And I wasn't expecting that because a couple weeks ago, I think I even complained about it to you, Michael. I made a martini where I accidentally used more dry vermouth than I had used... Previously, and I found it way too sweet. Um, so I thought, you know, I actually don't think I'm going to like a perfect martini because I don't like the sweetness. Um, and in this martini, there's even more vermouth, and half of the vermouth is actually sweet vermouth. But for some reason, the balance, and I used in this case, I used Sip Smith London Dry Gin, um, a yeah. large measure. And then I used equal parts Cokie Americano and Cokie um, de Torino, which is their sweet vermouth, and it was, and then a zest of lemon. It was absolutely delightful. Um, so that's kind of why I just encourage people to play around with it because I would not have expected that basically a martini variation with double the vermouth would be for me. Because I, but I think like. For me, it's like if you're going to do a dry martini, it needs to just be, a, a, a you know, like, ha- like basically 12 and a half milliliters of dry vermouth. But if you're going to, you know, if you do like a perfect martini, the, the vermouth seems to balance itself out. So I thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, if going through this sort of lockdown, but also being part of a gin club, we'll be trying a different styles of gin having bought a different bottles of, of vermouth because i think that's how much we're all drinking at home um you realize how integral vermouth is to a martini and how drastically it can change the flavor profile
1: absolutely um, which is something
0: i just hadn't really ever given much consideration to be honest um until we finished our bottle of martini um extra dry i think it was and um we just happened to be on a Zoom call with your family, I believe. And we were just sort of talking about it. And I ordered a bottle on a whim and realized, of the Cochi Americano this is, and realized how insanely delicious it was um, for a sort of martini. And it's become our go-to vermouth now.
1: It's, um, it's absolutely yeah. my go-to vermouth. Changed my life. Yeah, it um, it's changed mine as well, but I completely agree. And I actually mentioned this on the episode that I recorded about Negronis because I make a Negroni now with um, Cokie de Torino instead of Martini Rosso, um, yeah. which some, some might argue is is on the sweeter end for a Negroni. But um, one of the things that I pointed out, there is a YouTuber... Who I, I genuinely think I'm gonna end up bringing him up on every single episode of this podcast to the point where like I should probably just have him be a sponsor. Um, but he he's called the educate he's he's called Leandro, but his channel is called The Educated Barfly, and he just does um, cocktail tutorials. He's awesome. I've learned so much literally just from like binge watching his YouTube channel. Um, but one of the things that he points out just about cocktail making in general you know, specifically for like martinis and agronis is that gin and vermouth are both proprietary spirits. So no two gins and no two vermouths are going to be the same because they're very much mm-hmm. based on what botanicals, whatever the maker is using. Um so that that's what that's exactly like what you said that the the vermouth is going to drastically change the drink. So I absolutely think that even though tonight a uh, a perfect martini made with Sipsmith and then Cokie Americano and Cokie de Torino, that was one of the best cocktails I've had recently. I guarantee you that if I made a perfect martini with I don't know, Hendrix, and then Martini Extra Dry, and Martini Rosso, I would probably hate it, you know, it's just like, it's completely based on the actual combinations of everything that
0: you use. And what, for me, like, I, what I've super enjoyed doing, because we now, we've, we've sort of, you know, over the the last sort of year, um, we've been, like, replenishing as well, but we have um, a massive gin collection of something like 18 gins in the house now, Mm -hmm. so, we could open like one of those speakeasies um prohibition bar type type places um but having that variation and you realize because like we have gins from america um canada britain france um australia um god knows where else italy and they're all completely different and the way they're made is also different so um, this gin from Monaco is very, very citrus heavy. And that's um, to reflect a lot of the citrus fruit that grows in Monaco. Um, and, it, and it has that really kind of like lemony um, kind of orange blossom taste to it, but not not in a kind of fake way, um, but in a kind of subtle way. Yeah, then, that
1: sounds perfect for a martini. And then there are
0: some kind of other gins that I mean, we've got one from France that is distilled with with um, with grapes um, that has a very very different. It's a, it's a much heavier gin, um, and that's completely wild. And then we've got a sort of um, we've got a gin from Hong Kong that's um, got kind of blossom flowers in it, and again that's got a very soft, um, very soft delicate flavour. So you can you, you can really experiment and. Um, and get quite merry by sort of having a little cocktail party at home.
1: Absolutely. Which is basically what I've done over the entire course of lockdown.
0: Hasn't everyone in the country?
1: I hope so. I hope so. I, I I mean, genuinely, like, we all joke about our, the alcoholism that we've all collectively formed. But I actually, like, you know, even though it's, it's cocktails and maybe not something super intellectual i like i actually feel like i'm gonna walk away from this having learned a new skill because i actually feel like i can make decent drinks now and i've i've it i've really come to enjoy it so at least it's not just about like sitting at home and getting absolutely trash for no reason on shitty alcohol
0: that's the thing it isn't just you know we've just bought a, a pack of rubbish shield lager from the off license and just drank 10 cans of that It these are really really bespoke cocktails and if you were having one of these in a bar as you said they would they would be 15 17 pounds each yeah you know it's 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 that quality of drink and um to have them at home is really lovely
1: yeah no it's um It has become a not-so-small pleasure for me, so I'm glad to hear that that you and Eddie have been enjoying the same.
0: So shall we get
1: into a little bit of the history of the martini? Because I think of of probably any of the cocktails that I'll discuss on this show, um, the martini has to have like some of the strongest it it, it, it's just a very strong contender
0: culturally it's a a funny one because I I was I was doing a bit of reading about it and it and it made me think of something else so like if you were to say um you know certain wines and you would associate them with France or Chile or South Africa or something like that or you know whiskey is you know very associated you know with like a singular country um there seems to be a lot of places that claim the birthrights, as it were,
1: for yeah.
0: the gin martini. And I've, I, I've been doing a little bit of, um, you know, internet searching. And um, it, it doesn't seem to be a consensus that I can find, at least. I mean, I may well be corrected um, of where the martini comes from. And then I did find a website called Gin Foundry. And they refer to somewhere in California called Martinez that claims the birth of the martini. So much so, they've got a plaque in the town centre from the year 1870. And that reminds me so much of that thing that happens in um, in kind of the UK, where everyone says that pub in my town is the oldest pub in the country, and it's the, yeah, and and there seems to be. Fifteen of these oldest pubs in the country, but there can only be yep. one. Yeah, um, and it, that's what I immediately thought of. Where a town will just claim it because they're they're they're, they're associated with that drink, but yeah, they don't so necessarily for... own it as such.
1: Ex- yeah, no, I I that I found similar in in my research. And for people who aren't familiar, just because I wasn't before I started looking into this, a Martinez the drink is a cocktail with gin, sweet vermouth, maraschino, and Angostura bitters. Um, So similar to a martini, but not, you know, it's
0: not... Not as as I was... It's not as I was serving martini.
1: No, no, absolutely not. Um, And so, yeah, so actually Sipsmith has has a decent history of the martini that I can link in the show notes, but they give a couple different versions of the story, but I completely agree with you that um, there is absolutely not a consensus. I think that it's kind of up to the point where everyone can just decide to believe the story that that tickles them the most. Um, but one of the stories is that Professor Jerry Thomas, who wrote The Bartender's Guide, um, which I think came out in 1887, this is I I'm pretty sure that like my great grandfather had a copy of this book. Um, I think at least in America it's like a very famous um, bartender's guide, basically. Um, and people claim that he invented it. Um, well, he invented the Martinez. Um, but the issue with this is the story is that the edition that included the Martinez, the 1887 edition, was published two years after he died. And, um, as I said, the, the Martinez is not, it's not exactly a martini. So it's, it's a bit, it's a bit questionable to say that, that, that was the birth of the martini. Um, another story was that the company Martini and Rossi, who, who make the vermouth still to this day, um, customers would go to their shop and just ask for a gin and martini. And that, that turned into, A martini, I mean, that seems extremely plausible because a martini is basically just gin and vermouth. Um, So it's plausible but not super exciting. And then the final story that I read was that there was a hotel in New York um, called the Knickerbocker Hotel and there was a bartender, Martini di Arma di Taggia, um, and I guess he served a drink that blended... Um, London dry gin and vermouth and orange bitters and it became quite famous Um, but everyone kind of agrees that there's just absolutely no way at this point to know for sure so like I said it's kind of just up to whatever version of the story charms you the most
0: yeah I mean there are so many ways of of kind of people claiming their own thing I think it's quite I think it's quite sweet Um, and it applies to so many other drinks and food for that matter um, Absolutely. And yeah. there's
1: also just, I mean, there's this, you know, cause I've always thought this about films and stuff like that. Like it, th- I, I think we're to the point in society where is, is there really a such, such a thing as an original idea at this point? I think that everything in the world, like you said, whether it be a cocktail or a food recipe or a book or a film or a musical or architecture, like everything is some sort of inspiration of something else. Um, so I think that, you know, it's not unheard of that relatively the same drink could have been invented per se by multiple different people without them realizing that they were all kind of coming up with the same drink.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think if you can take your basic recipe, or one that you find the most delicious, because I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way personally of serving it. I personally don't like too much of a of a kind of sweet angle to it, and um, I'm not crazy on a dirty martini either. I find them way too salty. Um, but if that's something, something that you like, then just go for it. Um, kind of pre-lockdown, if anyone can remember those days, um, and going to kind of really nice bars in London, and um, generally they'll do a really good martini, um, and they'll kind of you know consult you on a gin that you like. They'll often let you try different gins before you before you commit um but i've seen some really rather funky garnishes um which and i'm not sure if this bar is just trying to be clever or a bit different but i just think do not belong yeah um, yeah so i remember there was one bar and i can't remember what it was called because i'm not even sure it's there anymore um it was in covent garden in fact, i fact, actually do I'm, I'm i'm sure it isn't there anymore um they served a piece of candied bacon in the martini which I found absolutely repulsive. I Um,
1: have had candied bacon in a Bloody Mary, which was amazing, but I would not eat it in a martini whatsoever.
0: A Bloody Mary has that kind of salty, sweet tomato and the horseradish and, and, and all of that stuff. It's a very kind of heavy flavored drink. Um, a martini is very clean and not fatty. Um, and the addition of candied bacon, just I just saw them making it. And I thought, no way, that's not real. Yeah. Um, I'm and not, I thought, I'm I have to have it because why, why, why would they serve something disgusting? Um, surely it was wonderful. And I really didn't like it. Um, and I've, I've also seen um, things like um, bits of horseradish in um, martinis and um, another bar with kind of like Japanese gins um and for me they just don't work I think you need to be looking at lemon peel grapefruit peel um those sorts of citrus things it depends on the gin that you've got really but I would say no no gin works no gin works with candied bacon in my opinion
1: no no I would never I mean I I really don't think that I have a, that complex of a palette at all, but it would it would never occur to me to combine gin and candied bacon whatsoever.
0: What are your thoughts on a breakfast martini? Because I'm really interested in these. What is
1: so? What is a breakfast martini? Is it just so, with like or, or oh, it's with marmalade, isn't it? Yeah.
0: So basically, there's a hotel on the Strand, one Aldwych, and there's I always remember this because they they do two drinks that were always in my hall of fame type thing um so once a breakfast martini which is a casual martini just as we've been describing with a little dollop of marmalade in it and it's been swirled through the drink um hence breakfast i mean they're not suggesting you have it for breakfast although you could um, Yeah. and it's sweet but marmalade has that kind of um sour edge to it sometimes um from the orange and I thought it was absolutely stunning, and that was with, if I recall, Plymouth Gin. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite, so quite a kind of robust gin. Um, and the other one, which isn't ma- which isn't Martini, but I'm going to say it anyway, um, was a champagne-based cocktail with gin and cucumber liqueur, oh. um, which was absolutely incredible. I'm trying to find a way to remake that, but I'm struggling.
1: Yeah, it's hard with those different liqueurs as well, because if they house make any of that, it's very difficult to... Exactly. ...recreate. Um, Now, both of those drinks sound incredible. I am definitely keen to try the the breakfast martini, because I had read about that, Um, and it sounds delightful. I mean, in terms of... This is a good segue into variation. So you already mentioned... The dirty martini the dirty martini was actually the first martini that i ever had um so anecdotally i think it was a tuesday afternoon and um me and I'm michael's happy. um yeah i know <laughs> uh me and michael's friend elizabeth who's previously been on the podcast talking about her wedding um she, uh, had had a rough day at work. Um, we worked at the, in the same office and she was, is she's really actually not the type. Um, she's very, she's much more sensible in, in how she enjoys her weeknights than I am for sure. So she's not one to suggest usually a Tuesday night drink, maybe a Thursday night drink, but not a Tuesday night drink. Um, and she, messaged me and asked if I wanted to go to dirty martini and so it's one of those friends where you know I was like if you want to go for a Tuesday night drink you are having a bad day and I I want to be there for you so we went to dirty martini of all places in London which um, is a good bar I like
0: it it's fun yeah
1: I mean you know if you're gonna have your first of something you might as well go to a bar that's named after it um and we went to Dirty Martini and it was, it was great. So for those of you who don't know, a Dirty Martini, um, Michael kind of alluded to it earlier, but a Dirty Martini is basically the same as a classic martini. Um, it, you know, it's gin and and dry vermouth. And but it's, well, at least how I make it, it is equal parts dry vermouth and olive brine. Um, yeah. It is, and I would say, Apart from a Bloody Mary, in my opinion, I think it is the most divisive drink in existence. I think that people either absolutely love it or they are completely repulsed by it. I happen to be a person who could eat an entire jar of olives in one sitting. Um, I also am definitely more of a savory person than sweet. So I love it. I love the saltiness. I love that it it kind of is it's filling, but not. Like, it's kind of like a meal in a glass, but not in the way that, like, a beer is. Like, it doesn't make you feel bloated, but it's just, like, very satiating. Um, so,
0: like, you're not saying it's the Guinness of martinis. Um, I mean, like, kind of like you, I, could, I really could eat an, an, an entire tub of olives, no problem. But for some reason, the addition of olive brine to the drink tr- just makes my stomach go a bit funny. Um, I re- I re- well, I it is. Really it is
1: a lot really of salt. I don't like it's this. a lot of salt. And that's
0: that's the thing. Like, I think for me, in a, in a food like an olive, um, that often has other stuff in it, um, I think is absolutely fine. But the the addition of that in in drink form just doesn't do it for me. And you're right, it's just completely divisive. And you know, um, Dirty Martini saw fit to name their chain of bars after it. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just not for me
1: no I Um, think that's absolutely fair I
0: I do think like I think
1: it's something that I think it's something that everyone should try but I will say that if you don't like olives there's no way that you're gonna like a dirty martini in my opinion like you definitely have to like olives to like a dirty martini
0: but I would say I think my personal preference is a vodka martini goes underneath that
1: oh absolutely but I I mean I think I'll probably end up reiterating on every episode of this podcast but I vodka is just the absolute if pun intended I suppose um it, it's just like it it I I it's just my absolute bottom of alcohol. Like I I know that it has its time and its place, but the, like, and this could be a whole separate podcast. But honestly, the problem with vodka for me is that every single drink that I enjoy that is that has vodka as a foundation, I have found a variation with another liquor that I enjoy just as much, if not better. So I literally, we, vodka is the one spirit we do not have in our bar cabinet. And I've yet to actually like need to have vodka. Um, So
0: we now have three vodkas at home, which I never thought we would do. And it started with the Watsons um, giving us a um, Australian vodka as a housewarming. Because for me, principally, the reason why I wanted vodka was to make espresso martinis. Mm -hmm. And that was simply the only reason why I wanted it. And um, I've I've been trying it um, ind- individually, and I realized there's quite a lot of flavour profile different vodkas, mm-hmm. but um, but for me, I'm I'm a gin person.
1: Yeah, so I, I am absolutely the three drinks with vodka that I have always loved are, as you said, an espresso martini, a Moscow Mule, and a yeah. Bloody Mary. Yeah. I, I recently made an espresso martini with tequila, and mm. that was delicious. Um, I made a Moscow mule with gin, a gin mule, and that was amazing. And I also much prefer a Bloody Maria, which is a Bloody Mary with tequila instead of vodka. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so I... But like it's it's not like I it's not like I refuse to drink vodka. Like I my parents have Tito's vodka in their house and Tito's is really nice. Um and if I'm gonna drink a vodka based drink, I'll drink it with, with Tito's, but in my bar, like I've just I keep finding successful ways to avoid buying a bottle of vodka and I'm kind of okay with that. Um but yeah, it from even though, as you and I said, the history of the martini is is very much up for debate, everyone, all of the mixologists and bartenders who I've watched their YouTube videos and read their blogs and things, they will say that the classic original martini is made with gin, and if you go to a half-decent bar, I don't know about, you know, just like a restaurant, like if you go to Chili's or whatever, I don't know, but if you go to a, a, a like a, a decent bar and you just ask for a martini without specifying, like you're going to get a gin martini. Be, it would be gin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's the dirty martini. The dry martini is basically what Michael described as his ideal martini. So it's literally just um, a large portion of gin and dry vermouth to taste, basically. Um, a wet martini, the only thing that differentiates a dry martini and a wet martini is that a wet martini just has more dry vermouth. Um, so the more vermouth that you use, the wetter the martini becomes. And this actually reminds me of my favorite quote, Churchill, Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister, supposedly once said about his ideal martini, glance at the vermouth bottle briefly while pouring the juniper distillate freely. So basically, his, ideal, his ideal martini was... Not even to put the the dry vermouth in the martini, but just to glance at it while you pour the gin.
0: And I've been to bars as well where, I mean, I think effectively it was um, sort of bone, bone dry martini um, where effectively it's a glass of chilled gin um, with a bit of like lemon in it. But there was one bar, um, RIP, isn't there anymore. It was called Sophie's in Covent Garden. Mm-hmm. And they put the martini in the glass, swirled around the glass, and chucked it away. So wow, you, you, you it it wasn't an integral part of the drink, but it was just kind of just sort of there in the background.
1: Mm-hmm. And and
0: then whatever gin you wanted um, went into the glass, and that was that was lovely. And what I liked about that bar was they only came in a hundred mil sizes. Hmm um they're few and far between I think when you um go out
1: oh yeah absolutely absolutely I mean measures in the UK are a super bizarre thing I only realized embarrassingly recently considering I've lived in this country for four years that because I I always because I know that like at least in London a single is 25 milliliters and a A large is 50. 50 yeah um and that that's I've known that that is something that I've known for, you know, a while, but I did not do the math in my head or on Google. And because, so for example, Harry and I, for Harry's birthday last year, went to, um, I'm reluctant to like suggest things at this point because I have no idea, um, depressingly what's actually going to be open and available kind of when this pandemic is over. Um, Or at least when it would be open but it was a experience called the brig it was a pub um called the merchant of oh god i can't even remember um merchant of bow lane i think um
0: i so want to say merchant of venice when you when you say that but that's shakespeare yeah something, something different
1: um this is it's in the city of London, but the pub has this experience called the Brig and it is the it is London's smallest cocktail bar. And basically you go in um, and it only fits like four people plus the bartender, I think. So it's absolutely oh, wow. tiny. But basically you pay by the hour. Um, so I think it was like 60 pounds a person for an hour, which is not cheap, um, but he makes you as many bespoke cocktails as you could possibly drink in that span of time um and it was incredible and the guy was so lovely um he happened to live in the same area of london that harry and i live in we got to chatting with him and he introduced us to um like i'd actually surprisingly never had a gin gimlet at that point and he introduced me to gimlets and oh that's delicious yeah uh anyway i digress but point being before this our experience started he was like just to let you know all of our drinks are 50 milliliters as standard so if it ever you know if you feel like you're drinking too much in a short period of time like we can take a break don't feel like you have to finish all the drinks etc cetera, etc cetera. um and to me because I know that 50 milliliters is a double in the UK I was like holy shit like you know like I was like that's why I still drank all of it and ended up like completely blacking out but that's a actually entirely separate story um but anyway i was quite shocked that like you know given the whole point is to try all these different things that they would still do a double pour well i only realized like probably a couple months ago that 50 milliliters is actually only just over an american shot so an american an American bar pour is 1.5 ounces. And I think 50 milliliters comes to about 1.65 or something. Um, So it actually explained so much to me because first of all, if we had gone for that cocktail experience and it had been American doubles, so three ounces per drink, I would have been in the hospital. I would have been in the hospital. Second of all, uh, well, actually, okay, I take that back because America is also weird. Um, I find every country weird when it comes to drink pouring because America, I think, a a shot is pretty universally considered to be 1.5 ounces, but typically a double is two ounces, so it's not even it's not even actually double a single. Um, but anyway, um, it added up be- because I would have been dead at the at the brig if it had sure. actually been a double, and it also added up because. Whenever I have ordered a single gin and tonic, when I have been out in London, I am always like, I it doesn't even taste like alcohol to me. Um, and single I,
0: gin and tonics are not a thing.
1: No, I, I mean you like that. Those are like designated driver drinks. Like honestly, like they, uh, like to the point where before I even realized the math behind all of this, I stopped drinking them because i was like they're not even worth the money and i like i would only get order a double gin and tonic and now i realize it's because a single gin and tonic is is like less than an ounce um which is crazy so anyway That's that was tiny. a that was a huge tangent um but yeah i mean if
0: if you are doing gin i mean regardless of of the measure it, it, it will depend on the gin that you are having for your martini, gin and tonic, whatever it might be. Yeah. Because there's quite, I mean, generally gins are between sort of 38, 40% as a, as a rule of thumb. Um, some gins can be 47%. Um, some of those kind of like navy strength ones are so yeah. much stronger. Um, and I think you can, you can totally tell. Um, for me, those navy strength ones don't necessarily work in a martini. I think they're more cocktail
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. With other
0: stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there is a there is a bit of variance in this sort of ABV of those two.
1: Definitely. So I feel like we would be remiss not to mention the Vesper martini because that is the James Bond martini um, that I think is probably – what the layman and anyone who isn't even you know a drinking enthusiast and maybe has never tried a martini before this is probably the martini that they that they think of
0: i have a story with that with that martini but i'll come to that in uh, in a minute
1: okay i can't wait so the vesper martini is gin vodka um it's dry vermouth but it's it's specifically lillet blanc um and it is, as everyone knows, shaken, not stirred, and then garnished with lemon zest. So I will say I have not tried a Vesper martini. Um, as I've said, I do not have vodka in my house. And I've been so in love with coki Americano that I haven't really bothered to buy any Lillet Blanc. Um, but I will say that the combination of the vodka and the fact that the drink is shaken, which basically any half decent person who makes drinks whether for their vocation or otherwise will agree that you are not meant to shake a martini absolutely um definitely meant to be stirred um because of that i don't really think this drink is for me but it is definitely worth mentioning because of its
0: notoriety yeah i mean for me i would never and I think if you go to any good bar as you say they will never shake a martini ever it will just be lightly stirred and then poured into the glass um I think it changes the flavor profile of the drink if you do that um so that's kind of the one thing I mean the the Vespa martini I mean a they're lethal um but um I was doing a bit of reading about it because um if you're using obviously the the gin, the vodka. I mean, they let Blanc. You may not be able um, to get. I mean, it's freely available in in the UK in like good good shops for kind of stock it. Um, but you could use the Cochi Americano, and from my from my reading online, it says that you know if you, instead of the Lillet, and you use the Americano, it's much more of a replica for the Kina Lillet. Which is mm-hmm. from the sort of James Bond era, and because it's got a slightly more bitter flavor, and it's supposedly a more faithful replica because those drinks are changed, um, kind of within themselves. Um, you know, you
1: know, it's funny. While while you mentioned that again, that the that YouTube channel Educated Barfly, he actually said because he mentioned the exact same thing that you said that Coke Americano is actually meant to better reflect. Um, Better reflect the what Lille was in the time of James, the original James Bond, yeah, yeah. But supposedly, Lille, as a um, company, have always maintained that they have never changed the recipe. Um, I guess that this is like they've just come out and said that, which everyone agrees that it has changed, but I just found that quite interesting.
0: I mean, if they're saying that and a load of quite hardcore you know, alcohol specialist websites are saying it's different, then they can't all be wrong. No. Like, you know, if, if, if it's kind of, um, you know, on this one website that I've just gone on to, and I just quickly just Googled it right here. It says use coach Americano because it's more akin to the Kina Lillet from the olden days.
1: Yeah. I think um, that, I think that everyone kind of agrees on that. So I think it's just funny that Lillet has stuck to their guns and, insisted
0: that
1: I mean but, uh, but a, a vermouth is effectively a wine isn't it so
0: it's a fortified wine it's a fortified um,
1: wine so grapes are going to you know like grapes and how we produce them is going to change over the course of you know 100 years basically so it would be kind of ridiculous to say that it's
0: exactly the same. It's sort of like you know with with things like wine harvest weather, um, weather soil all these sorts of things can change the way that grapes that grapes grow and that's why you get different wine vintages um so it's the same with you know that for me that just explains that you can't factory replicate it like you could um certain beers i think for example um because they it's 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 a a different crop for that for that drink um absolutely i think it's a little bit different but uh, the best martini i'm not gonna say i like it Because I think they're a bit too pal in your face. Um, But the first time that I had one, I think I was about 19 and I was at university and I was was turning 20. So my friends took me to Manchester and we stayed at the Lowry Hotel, which was this incredible um, hotel. It was the first five star in Manchester. And they specialised the bar in Vesper Martinis. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember leaving the hotel and going out in Manchester. I just remember staying in the hotel the entire time and drinking drinking these exceptionally <laughs> delicious slash expensive martinis.
1: I love it. Everyone has to have a classy night like that.
0: Classy, expensive, when you're a student and you have no money.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what... So. Do, do you have any other variations those are all the ones that I noted down
0: so for me those those are the kind of classic things that I like I don't like being too too jazzy or um I don't like to, I don't like changing the recipe just for the sake of changing the recipe no. if it's nice it's nice um it's kind of like if somebody was to make soup for example and they wanted to add different that you know that's absolutely fine um but I just don't think you know Gin works in that way, um, and also the stuff is just too expensive.
1: Well, I completely agree. Yeah, there's only like when I when I say I encourage people to experiment, I I mean obviously within your own
0: within you know, um, means
1: because yeah, you know like I I mean I I've experienced experimented with gin simply by by virtue of the fact that I have a couple of London Dry gins in my flat, but it's not I haven't particularly. Specifically, purchased different gins to try martinis with. And once I bought the bottle of Coki Americano and enjoyed it, um, I've stuck to that. I haven't tried any other dry vermouths in a martini. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely just find what you like and then feel free to stick to it. I, I think the other thing worth noting is that I believe in the 80s there was this huge movement towards all these cocktails that. People basically called martinis, even though they don't really even resemble a martini. They're basically just served in a martini glass. I think the espresso martini is a good example, Um, although I don't think the espresso martini even came out until the '90s. Um, But But there's the key lime. What a drink! Yeah, the the key lime. Yeah, the espresso martini. I I love. But there's the key lime martini or key lime pie martini, um, which my mom used to order those when we went to this Chinese restaurant, PF Chang's, and they are actually <laughs> delicious. Um, the one that she ordered, I think. I, I think all of the kind of kitschy variations of the martini are vodka based, if my memory serves. I don't think any of them are made with gin. Um, but the key lime was, I think, like a. It was vodka. I think it was some sort of cream base. Um, you know, oh, rib, like lime creamy lime liqueur or something like that. And then the rim, which is my favorite, that she would let me lick, um, was like a graham cracker, like crushed graham crackers that they rimmed the glass with. Um, but it's like a super tacky. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and that that's also a dessert cocktail for sure. It's not like my mom would just drink like seven of those. She'd have literally one. Um, I'm sure. And then there's there's also like the lemon drop martini, which to be, to be fair, I have had it's some nice lemon drop martinis in my day. But again, that's a vodka based drink. And like you said, like they, they're, they're really, I, I really think that they just use the word martini because of the type of glass they're served in.
0: That's um, what I, I mean, that is my opinion as well. So like for me, when I think of a martini that isn't a martini, it's the Ponce martini. It's a yeah. vodka based with the passion fruit. I think there's lime, vanilla, and then yeah. you have, like a little shot of Prosecco or champagne on the side. It's not a martini in any sense of the word. It's just set in the same glass. Yeah. I no, mean, completely.
1: they're lovely. I'm actually not a porn star martini fan whatsoever. Um, they're too sweet for me. I'll but take you to a
0: bar where they make them nice and I'll, and I'll show you.
1: I will. I Honestly, I am always happy to try drinks in the name of research. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that my only other parting words on the martini would be. It is, I mean, I think that a chilled glass is important for all drinks, but I think it's absolutely essential for a martini. Um, you need your glass to be cold to, to keep the drink cold because a lukewarm martini is disgusting no matter yeah. how nice the ingredients I mean, are that you're using.
0: There's no way that people at home can have a fridge full of chilled glasses. That just isn't realistic. But just chucking in ice cubes while, while you're making it five yeah, minutes absolutely. beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. While you, while I mean, to be to about. be honest,
1: I I pop. I'll if I know I'm you know like today for example, I knew I was going to enjoy a martini later. I I put one of my glasses in the freezer and it got nice and chilled um, while I was making it. But yeah, absolutely, just putting an ice cube or two in the glass while you're making it is definitely it will make a difference.
0: Absolutely, because as you're right, if it's warm, it's going to be gross.
1: So what is. As, as a parting note, Michael, what is your most sentimental association with a martini? Like if you, when it comes to a martini, if you could squeeze your eyes really tightly shut and go back to any moment where you've been drinking a martini, where would you go back to?
0: I think when, so what I remember this and in my head at the time, I thought it was really, really classy and it probably is still classy, but not how I remembered it it was when at university we'd all graduated with our master's degrees and we'd all worked really hard and we went to a bar in Oxford and we it was a very fancy cocktail bar Ravel's it's still there and we had gin martinis um because it was a kind of grown-up style drink at the time we were like what 21 um and um, I can't recall the gin. I can't recall what was in the, the garnish. My memory was that we'd all completed our, our kind of degree. And I was with my housemates, who now my best friend. And we'd had these wonderful drinks. And it was a really sunny day. And that's like a memory that I, I will always remember.
1: I love that. That is a great memory. And so as part of my new gin and beer format, I am always going to close with me choosing a version of the drink that I would most closely associate with you as the guest. Um, And while I would love to choose the perfect martini, because you are perfect to me. I think I would just have to go with the absolute most classic dry martini, because you, Michael, are classic. You're classy. You're very clean and crisp, and I could have you any day of the week.
0: Fabulous. I'm always available at your disposal.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining, Michael. I think that Nothing sums up the martini better than the quote from H.L. Mencken. I have no idea who that man is or was, but he said, "Martinis are the only American invention as perfect as a Skonit," and I completely agree.
0: I agree as well. And thank you, thank you so much for having me on for the third time. The it's a bit different because normally this is a bit of an event. We meet up and we have dinner and we have a bit of a night of it together and we record these podcasts, but this is the first time where we've done it remotely i hope it, you know it comes out well and i really want to be on again because this is one of the best things ever and you are a fantastic host
1: you will be on as many times as you will agree to come on thank you for joining and i agree it's a shame that we have to be apart this time but maybe it's secretly for the best because we might have just gotten too drunk on martinis and then not is, even been able to
0: record true. a coherent
1: episode <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. I love you very much. Love you too. All right. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Gin and It. It is a pleasure as always. And Michael is one of my personal favorites to have come on the show. I do apologize for um, the slight... Downgrade in audio quality this week as we had to record virtually. I'm hoping it's not much longer until we can start recording in the studio together again. And I am just looking forward to more weeks of Gin and it. Please if you have any requests for drinks that you would like covered on the show or if you would like to come on the show yourself you can email me at gin and show at gmail.com I'm on Instagram at gin and show on Twitter at gin and pod the website is www.ginburitsshow.com and as always I am uploading every Thursday a cocktail tutorial on Instagram TV that's at gin and show where I will try to every week tie the cocktail into that week's podcast so this week you can expect a martini tutorial thank you so much everyone I hope you have a great week and I'll chat to you next week